Who is the new bell cow for an NFC West Super Bowl contender? What numbers will Alfred Morris tally in Big D? And who the heck is Moritz Baringer? Totally biffed that name. Yeah, you stripped pronunciation already, Baldwin. Baringer. Baringer. That's better. <laughs> Plus 2015 FFPC 500 Dynasty number 20 league champ Bipla Mandel joins us for some spirited discussion on Duke Johnson, Kenneth Dixon, and second-round rookie draft targets. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour season five premiere starts now. <laughs> Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Special April 8th Season 5 premiere episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll discuss how the Falcons running back situation has changed, even though it hasn't, who the number three running back is in rookie drafts this season, and whether we have written off Josh Doxson based on one thing, that cannot be coached. Plus, FFPC 500 Dynasty number 20 league champ Biplob Mandel drops by to talk about stacking running backs over receivers in Dynasty, his big five-figure payday last season, and his weird Twitter handle. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFHour, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak, and the aforementioned Biplob Mandel's Twitter handle, at underscore, underscore, Rainmaker. You can ask him questions there. Follow say, him say there. Say his first name again. Biplab. It sounds like you were saying it a little differently. Biplab. Biplab? That's how you sound like you were saying Biplab. <laughs> Biplab. Biplab. Okay. You weren't at, you weren't ab, you were, Biplab. Anyway. Well, I was just trying to get through it. You sure. can post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the high stakes fantasy football hour. 347-426-3682 is the number if you want to call us tonight. That's 347-GAME-OVA. And, of course, our inbox is highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Our producer and mutual friend Rob and our audio engineer Bryce are back for Season 5 once again, and they will get questions to us in the fantasy feedback section later on in the show. I didn't know what you would think about the intro music tonight because we've never you've never really – Talk to me if you're a Tupac fan or not. Uh, you know, I like some of the stuff. But, you know, that, that type of that song and that type of music puts me in a good mood. For okay, good. The coming show. Good. Excellent. Hopefully it does it, uh, the same for the uh, guests. Because I feel like Tupac, because we're like a generation apart, and I feel like Tupac was sort of the bridge. Between, between what, what, y what? and X? X and Y? Well, no, I'm, I'm technically I'm, I'm X. You are? Yeah, I'm like fringe X. I'm almost <laughs> Y, but I'm like fringe X. Um. 
And uh, I, I feel like you, you know, a lot of the old school stuff you listen to, um, Tupac was sort of like the bridge to a lot of the stuff that I listen to now. I, re- I kind of agree with you, actually. So there you go. I mean, you look, no, Ice Cube would be nice if you threw a little old Ice Cube in there. You know, it's tough because we are Bef- not... Before the Are We There Yet stuff. Right. Which actually isn't... His newer stuff isn't too terribly bad. But. We, um, did you see they're getting the uh, inducted uh, into the uh, NWA into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Very, very cool. That uh, They're the fifth uh, hip-hop act to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, so, busy night tonight as you are back in the studio. Very exciting to have you here. I want to remind everybody that if you have not joined the Small Business Fantasy Sports Trade Association yet, do so at sbfsta.org. Uh, we appreciate any support you can give us. Uh, financial is even better because it will take uh, a, a, a certain amount of uh, money to, in order to keep the SBFSTA uh, achieving its goals and making sure that season-long fantasy and small business fantasy remains available for all of you FFPC players going forward. And remember, if you haven't uh, sat down with your congressman, there's a lot to talk to him about. <laughs> we prefer fantasy football as the topic of conversation. And water, listen, water it's like you said, Dave. These guys are just bored to death with all the other stuff they have to talk about on a day-to-day basis. They would welcome a 20-minute conversation about fantasy football with you. Very so true. Make sure you send me an email, eric at myffpc.com, in case you want to know uh, some talking points or who your rep is. I'll tell you that info as well. I want to remind everybody, go to myffpc.com right now. Sign up for the main event. Have we officially talked about what the yeah, early we're bird we're in westgate oh yeah okay so let's talk about that for a second so we're in the westgate casino the world's largest sports world's book. largest sports books uh just renovated so it's very very nice very very awesome um and uh it, it's going to be because it's not a gargantuan overwhelming casino you don't have to pay gargantuan overwhelming prices to stay there you get a free night on thursday if you're drafting live with the main event team and you register for the early bird and, you, regi- and you register for the yeah. early bird and you get the discount rates on friday and saturday and remember um like i said because it's not this massive casino ffpc is going to be running this place on week one yeah, of the, the nfl the craft season. table the blackjack table everything the sports book it's i'm going to be really all over the job i'll be in a thong serving drinks that's too bad I mean, that's great. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I plan on making a lot of money uh, that weekend. So that'll be very cool. Check that out. Remember to sign up for the Football Guys Players Championship by June 5th, which is the early bird there, to take advantage of all the Football Guys goodness that you get at footballguys.com there. And, of course, draft experts, satellites going on right now. You can sign up for the high-stakes leagues at myffpc.com as well. Shout-out to Rob, Roto World, and Football Guys for tonight's rundown. Let's kick things off right away, Dave, uh, with – well, not right away. We're six Right away, yeah, I was going to say. Um, Jim Harbaugh said Brashad Perriman is not running, quote-unquote, fully yet in his recovery from knee surgery. What a bust. Joe Flacco said that he expects Mike Wallace, their free agent receiver that they signed, having a big impact on the Ravens' offense this week. So God knows what we're going to get from Perriman in 2016. Uh, Steve Smith and Kamar Aiken expected to be vital roles in the wide receiver core in Baltimore as well. What do you do with Brashad Perriman and Dynasty? I mean, normally I would say you got to hold on to him, but at this point I think I might be looking to sell. Yeah, I probably would too, actually. I think he's just looking to be a colossal boss. If you can get a mid-second for him, which maybe you can't, I'll take that. I think somebody would probably give up a mid-second. Maybe. Just just on the he's premise of... Former first-round pick. Right. And, we, I mean, who knows what happens when he gets on an NFL field. I mean, he could actually start crushing it. Yeah. So, we'll he see. Might, he, might, he might, actually. We'll see with Perriman. I don't... I, I'm... Because this, this has been lingering for so long, I just don't have any confidence in him. I, I'm the same way as you, and I definitely would be selling. If somebody in my league put him up, I would not be, you know, sending that guy an email right away with an offer. But if I own Perriman... 
I'd be floating him out there and seeing what I could get for him. Uh, Bruce Arians said that David Johnson has earned the right to be the bell cow running back for the Arizona Cardinals. Sounds he, like he finally agrees with what we said. What week? Uh, what week was that? 11, 12? Whenever it was. I don't remember. Yes. Early, early, early on. Dave, if there's one thing I've learned on this show. is never to listen to old episodes to find out what we said. Uh, no, that I've always learned that to be true. Oh. What I, what I have learned is that you never want to, I, I think that I'll just say this right now. There's not an NFL coach in, right now that's currently employed that I am more intelligent than when it comes to football. There are certain decisions to me that I think they overthink because they spend too much time because it is their job and they end up, you know, think long, think wrong, yeah. that, that old adage. And I think NFL coaches do it. To me, this was something that, you know, maybe Bruce Arians just always believed it and he never said it, but Johnson's going to be the man next year, and I think he is a slam-dunk second-round pick right now for anybody who is worried about running back in drafts. I think you take David Johnson in the early second round and be happy about it if you took a receiver early on. I mean, I don't see how he falls into the second round. I mean, I'm not really sure where he's going he, in drafts right now. I think he's going to go like, he, like end of the first, early second, right around there. But what I'm well, saying, who are you taking in front of him? Oh, some receiver. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, the, <laughs> are you paying attention to drafts? Or you just have popped. No, I'm, I'm paying attention. I'm telling. This you talk about going? running backs? Yeah, no, in general. Yes. He's going in the end of the first or the second? Yes. David Johnson, right now. On a points-per-game basis, last year, when he, was, when he was hot, he was probably like the number one running back. In well, the you could say that about a lot of running backs when they yeah, were hot. I guess. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, when he... Not hey, when, when he, he was really good, he not, was really good. Not when he was hot, but I guess when he, had any, when he had the full bell cow opportunity, which, let's project... Oh, boy, the coach just said he's going to be the bell cow this year. It's right. a great offense with really good receivers, Carson Palmer. Okay, and, and, but, okay. and, and he's a fantastic receiving back in PPR format. Right. Name 12 guys you're taking in front of him because I can't name them. Okay, I, well, I'll tell you this. He's, not you, but I'm saying people in general. I'll tell you this. He's not even the number one running back off the board, nor is he number two or three. There are three running backs consistently going ahead of him in drafts as well. Okay, so AP, yep. Le'Veon Bell, yep. and, you know, I'm forgetting somebody. Gurley. Oh, yeah. Is that's, the other that's one. That's the other fella. Okay. Just that guy. But you know what's funny about, you know, like, let's make the argument against Gurley versus David Johnson just, you know, just as a random argument. I mean, the Rams aren't that great. Right. Um, there, that's it. Okay. Their offense is not that all great. Right. I mean, so, really, it's, not, it's really not all that right. great. Now, this is They're cook- not going to score. They'll probably score half as many touchdowns as the Cardinals. This, this is cookie-cutter fantasy analysis, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Yeah, the Rams aren't that great, so they have Todd Gurley and not really anybody else to give the ball to on offense. Who does Arizona have? Larry Fitzgerald. Michael Floyd. John Brown. They have That's a lot of pass interference penalties at the one-yard line. Well, team. okay. Then is David Johnson – I mean, I don't even – full disclosure, I don't remember. Did he get goal line last year down the stretch? He's the bell cow, 6'2", 225, right. or whatever he is. Okay. He didn't get that goal line. Okay. Ball. Well, you know, I'll say this. I, I would be fine with taking him in the early second if you can get him there. Of course you would. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but uh, it remains to be seen if Arians um, c- comes out and say this. I think that the two things working against David Johnson in the past were, A – or excuse me, one, um, <laughs> you have the stigma of drafting a running back early, which I think a lot of people don't want to do this year more than ever. And two, um, you had the stigma of, the, of Bruce Aarons never really throwing his support behind him. You know, never really, when given the opportunity, never really said like, David Johnson's the man, he's going to carry us. He never really said that. Now you have that going for David Johnson. So I think this will push him up a little bit. Um, and I'm going to find a receiver I like better than him. That's saying that right now. Yeah. If you listen, I'll tell you. Okay, you don't have to. We, you no, don't have hold to, on. I got a great idea. On the receiver train all the time, just because it's trendy. I, w- I will be on the receiver train all the time because my seat on it is quite comfy. <laughs> 
the drinks are cold. I, I, and I love it. And there's a TV right in my car. So, yeah, I'm going to stay on the receiver train. I'll, I'll and then you're going to ignore receivers in the second round. And we, we talk. No, I'm not, ignore, I'm not ignoring receivers in the second round, the third round, the fourth <laughs> round, or the fifth round. Um, maybe the fifth. Then you're taking Chris Johnson in the 12th round. Away yeah. From David Johnson and then Ellington <laughs> in the 13th. I'll be good that way. Uh, let's, let's say this right now. We talked about we wanted to make an I got five on it every single week yep, this let's year. Go. Let's okay, go so on. I think David Johnson is perfect right now. Sure, I'll take – you know what, I'll take – So many how, points? how do you want to craft this? I'll take David Johnson, you can take Gurley, and you're going to give me 25 points. 20 points. Um, uh, all right, all right, that's fine. 20 so points. I have Todd Gurley minus 20. Yeah, on, over on a 16-week regular fantasy. Over season. weeks one through 16. Right. Are we putting in any injury stipulations? Not nah, screw it. We'll yeah, just deal with it. I agree. We'll all do right. that. So I got Todd Gurley minus 20. On the 2016 season, I got five on it. I got David Johnson plus 20. I got five on it. I got five on it. All right. You might have a technical advantage here, but I feel confident in my – How is that a technical advantage? Well, I mean, like, you know, that if you look at Dodds' projections or whomever else's, you know, crap. Ah, what does that guy know? <laughs> he, can, know he doesn't even have him out yet. He probably. can build the rockets to the moon, Dave. Let's leave <laughs> fantasy football to guys like me and you. Uh, Dan Quinn, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, said that Devontae Freeman and Tevin mm, Coleman. By the way, yeah, go ahead. Wayne Ellis said, yeah, he'd take Johnson plus Tony. Take Johnson plus Tony? Yep. His Excel spreadsheet. Let me, I mean, his his Watson computer I'm, just I'm gonna ripped tell you it this. off, Bucky. I'm going to tell you this. His, his spreadsheet right now, not as thick as it's going to be come draft season. <laughs> so once he does more analysis. <laughs> I didn't know those were thick. Oh, it's insane. Thick, thick with tabs? Yeah, it just uh, a virtual thing. No, if he if he no, it's well, not like, a computer. It's a flat screen. Yeah, but then if he was ever to print it out, it's longer than the Football <laughs> Outsiders thing. It's like three of those combined. Is it a, okay, and that's is, just quarterbacks. Is it, as, is it as long as Matt Waldman's book? Well, let's come on. <laughs> I said I said on Twitter that I wish Waldman would put out a Cliff's Notes version. Yeah, and I, if he could, if he would offer the full version for what is it, twenty bucks? The full version for twenty, or like a thirty-page Cliff Notes. For thirty, yeah. Without the original one, right. I would just take the cliff notes yeah. for thirty. Yeah. Just give me the just give me the meat of it. I don't want to look at what this guy did against uh, Tulane. Um, what were his you know what, what were his routes looking like yeah. against Tulane? I'll give them a ninety-one. Yeah. Who cares? You know, Dave, somebody who's been angling to be on this show for years, uh, God in heaven, ta- talking to him oh, uh, yeah? about fantasy football. He's a big fan. The Twitter Twitter handle? No. Oh, uh, the real God. The real God. <laughs> um, I'm good buddies with him, and he actually uh, he's a big subscriber to Zero RB actually as oh, well. Wow, so wow. God knows what's going on. Great minds, Dave. So uh, he was telling me now. It's keep in mind, yeah. Now God was telling me. Now keep in mind, this is a guy who wrote the Bible. I mean, it's he an, didn't write the he Bible. Wrote, he wrote the Bible. It was written by a bunch of people in the and God. God my life in the God, God dictated it to them. If you look at the they, end, they found some scrolls at, in the end. At, listen, and at, they just made up the rest. Right, and the and the last part of the scroll on Revelation says, "Signed, God dictated, but not read." <laughs> so anyway, uh, God, I, we were talking. I, I said, you know, this Waldman rookie scouting portfolio. Um, what do you think of it? And he's like, Eric, I'm gonna be honest with you. I got halfway through it, and I was like, enough already. <laughs> He's like, I don't have forever to read. Yeah, it. he's like, he's like, I mean, who has the time? He goes, TLDR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there you go with that. Uh, we have Biplab Mandel coming. Excuse me, Biplab Mandel See? coming up in a little bit. I was right. Before we get to him, I want to talk about. It might the, be Mandel too, by the way. It's not. That's what we're. Mandel, like Howie. I don't know. <laughs> All right. We'll ask him. We'll ask him. Dan Quinn said Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman make a pretty unique combination, and then he complimented Tevin Coleman's ability. In the outside zone run plays that Atlanta runs, 
Uh, Tevin Coleman had hamstring, broken ribs, and concussion problems last year. And uh, Dan Quinn seemingly makes it seem like Tevin Coleman's going to have a pretty big role in the backfield next year, along with uh, Demonte Freeman, who's going in the third round of FFPC drafts right now. I, you can do this without your machine. I know. It's my, be okay. my computer just went blank. Well, I, it's a Mac. I, I can't understand it. Oh, this bad. So anyway, uh, Freeman and Coleman. Sounds like Coleman's going to have a bigger piece of the pie. A guy I was not very high on mm-hmm. for dynasty purposes uh, because I own him in Blake Carrington. Now I'm thinking, look, I, I might be able to get something here. And if Freeman were to go down or if he stinks this year, mm-hmm. Coleman actually could be pretty valuable. I do tend to agree with you. If he does go down, uh, Coleman could be quite valuable. I'm, I'm actually just kind of hoping that this news pushes uh, Freeman down a little bit so that he actually uh, falls the tap. Boy, he's going to have him. to go down quite a bit. I mean, for me to – I mean, you're going to take Vontae Freeman in the third round right now? I, what, what did he rank last year for running backs, like four? Number, number one by – He was awesome. And wasn't close. Yes, I mean, again, like, I, I, I know you don't want to go completely off right. last year for the future year's stats, but it's a really good offense, good quarterback. It's an all right offense. Up. It's, I didn't say it was great. It's quite good. <laughs> I believe your exact words are really good. It is not really good. It's sort of like this is a really good podcast That in the same way. We're the Atlanta Falcons offense of podcasting. So anyway, it's probably accurate. Yeah, we're definitely better than Cleveland. Um, but Coleman is still going uh, fairly late. He's the type of guy that you would want if you waited on running backs and you end up getting like two or three running backs yep. and like, Five, six, seven. You could probably get Coleman as the third guy. Yeah, I agree with that. So I'll, I'll buy that. All right, you buy that, and let's bring in tonight's guest right after this on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Eric Balkman and David Gerzak. We have Bip Lab Mandel coming out. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour rolls on here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Dave Gerzak, and we are going to bring in tonight's guest right now. He is the current. $500 FFPC number 20 Dynasty League champion and reigning $10,000 winner in the Scout Dynasty Fantasy World Championship. He's been playing high-stakes fantasy for only the last few years, but he's quickly adapted to all formats and found success. He's very passionate about high-stakes dynasties because he can easily relate it to his work life involving strategies and building high-performance teams. You know him as the House of Cards or maybe even as at underscore underscore Rainmaker on Twitter. We know him as a dedicated live listener to this show and are thrilled to have him here tonight. Welcome aboard to the show, Bip Lab Mandel. Bip Lab, welcome. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Fantastic. We're doing awesome, man. It's awesome to have you on the show tonight because as far as I can tell, and, and this, this is a moniker that, that uh, Tupacker used to wear, of being the, the guy who listens live the most consecutive weeks, I feel like every time I look at the chat room, I always see House of Cards in there. So, Bip, it is very awesome to have Except you on the show. Except for tonight. What the hell? Well, no, but he's on the show. You don't want to – unlike you, he cares about the feedback <laughs> oh. that radiates from the computer speakers when you listen live. You, I know you don't care about well, that. Well, he can watch the chat. Well, I, I, I'm, actually well I'm just saying. Like, um, Bip Lab, how do you pronounce your last name? Is it Mandel or Mandel? Well, I have adapted to both versions. Actually, if you go by the Indian version, it's Mandal, but, you know, it's a big deal in U.S., I guess. So I go by Mandel or whatever people want to call. I love that. Just catering to whatever we like, which is fantastic. You know, Biplab, I have a question. Yep. You know, I have a comment or a question, whatever you want to call it. So I was, you know, you have such a unique name. So I, I, you know, I Googled you, I looked you up, and it turns out, you know, that your parents, they apparently didn't give you that unique of a name. Because I found 74 different Bip Lab Mandels on LinkedIn, 
all with, <laughs> with the identical name as you. And I, I looked at the top 25. I didn't even see you ranked in the top 25. I don't know if there's a ranking system or what, but these guys are all over in India and they're taking your name, man. I don't, I don't know if you were you know, pissed about that or if that's okay with you. No, that's, that's okay. Actually, you know, in India, it, it depends from which province you come. And the province I come from, you know, Biplab is a very famous word. In Indian language, it means revolution. So it was very famous when India got independence. And apparently, my grandfather named me Biplab. That's oh, awesome. That's, you know, that's a great story. I understand why there's so many Biplabs there. Yeah. You know, my, yep. when my parents were thinking about naming me, it was either going to be uh, Eric or Independence. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, they ended up going with Eric, but it was it was close. So they chose, a, chose that biblical name of uh, Eric. Yeah. Um, again, my dad, not as tight with God as I am, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he had some conversations. He said, you know, what about Eric? There's not a whole lot of Eric's there. You know, enough with the Moses. Enough with the Noah, you know. Enough Jeremiah. With, yeah, Jeremiah. We get it. All right. <laughs> not a whole lot of Eric. So I, he went with Eric. Biplab, tell us a little bit about what you do for a living. Yep. So I live in Minneapolis, and I work as an IT director for a CRM consulting firm. Uh, I've been here for the last five years. We might need to get BitLab to go uh, talk to that congressman that's got a bill in, uh, going on. We need all the help we can get. What's the status of Minnesota right now? What's it looking like? Uh, I honestly don't know for sure. I mean, it's looking comparatively to other bills, it's looking relatively that's good. That's what I thought. But yeah. there's still, you know, like, <clears throat> like uh, Steve, our, our chief lobbyist, says, all bad things happen to bills at the very end. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, let's stick this in here. Yeah. Let's do this. So you got to be well, paying attention. And like, even when the bill is looking good, you still got to be in their ear and yeah. saying like, hey, listen, you know all that stuff we sat down and talked about a couple of months ago? Yeah, we still want it. Yeah, we don't still, screw this up. True. Yeah. So, um, people, we're going to talk a little fantasy finally here. Congrats on the 500 number 20 title. Um, while some people prefer to load up on wide receivers, <clears throat> bulky. Uh, you only had five. Thank God, by the way. <laughs> you only had five healthy ones on the Don't roster. Don't call out Christ on this show, my friend. <laughs> At the end of the season, you carried a lot of running backs instead. Why did you go with a running back heavy team to try and win instead of with a bunch of crappy wideouts? I mean, wideouts. Well, actually, you know, this is one of those leagues where I think the draft went pretty well for me. Um, you know, I have a sl- slightly different approach to startup dynasties you know many go rookie heavy many go you know uh, older player heavy and and i look at a balanced team and and my approach always has been load up on receivers initially uh, be patient try to gather those future picks and try moving down and then take the best player available so in this league if you look at it although i don't have too many receivers um, i ended up with quality there so I had Dez, Bryant, Green, Keenan Allen, Landry, um, and later I grabbed Brandon Marshall. So that was a pretty cool core of receivers. I think I traded for Kelvin Benjamin later when he got hurt. Uh, so then, you know, all I need to do is concentrate on, on RBs and tight ends. And then, um, thankfully, I hit it correctly with Eifert and Jordan Reed in the 14th round. Um, so my tight ends were good. I think I got Antonio Gates later. So all I needed to do is then, you know, load up on running backs. Uh, and I think I just had uh, Ingram and Jonathan Stewart initially. So so kind of worked hard on the running back front and, and loaded up with many because you never know on a week-to-week basis which running back works. 
but I think I ended up playing only two running backs every time my Titans were doing pretty well. And then, you know, Des Bryant didn't contribute much, uh, neither did Kelvin. But I think Keenan Allen, Brandon Marshall, and Jarvis Landry pretty much carried my team. Uh, there's something to be said for that, Dave. As much as we talk about loading up with wide receivers in Dynasty, if you get a, a few really good top-end receivers, you you fill in the cracks at tight end, you can really fire the rest of those bullets at running back, keep like seven of them, eight of them on your team, and then if you only have to count on you know two of them every week, you got to think that two, two out of those eight are, are going to be threatening 20 touches, and they don't have to be that great. I mean, as long as you're getting the opportunity, you should be able to get some kind of production there. Absolutely. Now, you really got to nail your receivers. That's, that's the key uh, in order to do uh, that at achieving it, carrying it out. Uh, BipLab, in this uh, $500, $500 number 20 Dynasty League with the FFPC, you actually dropped uh, Darren McFadden. I believe that was to get under the, uh, you know, right before roster cuts. You, you dropped Darren McFadden, and then you later acquired uh, in a trade Alfred Morris, the new Dallas Cowboy, the uh, 112 and Le'Veon Bell in exchange for Keenan Allen, the 106, and a third-round pick next year. So the guy I really want to talk about in this trade, given that you dropped McFadden and then traded for Alfred Morris, what do you expect for Alfred Morris playing for the Dallas Cowboys and running behind that great offensive line in 2016? Yeah, great question. You know, unfortunately, I had a good team, and I had to drop McFadden, Gates, Tannehill, Clay, you know, all those players who others might have uh, rostered and then if you really look into look in this trade you know Morris was just uh, an additional piece I acquired I was actually very interested in getting uh, Le'Veon Bell and and I kind of trust my receivers now Um, to be honest I'm happy to have a pie of uh, the Dallas uh, running back corps, be running behind that great offensive line. I I actually don't have very high hopes from um, Alfred Morris. You know, Jerry Jones has said that McFadden will start. I think last year he said Randall will start, and Randall ended up starting. So so what that means is, you know, Morris is right now behind uh, McFadden. His contract is not that great, uh, pretty similar to McFadden's. Um, and then Max Harden is probably a better third down back, you know, relat- relatively. Um, that being said, I strongly feel that Dallas is going to go after uh, Zeke or Henry, you know, and, and get one of those uh, guys uh, in the draft. Um, if that happens, then I'm, you know, happy to sit with Morris as, uh, as an injury <laughs> coverage running back. But if that doesn't happen, then, then he has a good upside. You know, last year he had 202 touches for 750 yards and three touchdowns. Um, I think he's probably going to be around that area. Um, I don't think he'll touch 1,000 yards, uh, but I'm just keeping him as a great uh, trading option. You know, I'm loaded up on running backs there. Uh, I have probably Ingram, Stewart, uh, Ajayi, uh, Gio Bernard, Duke Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, so I don't need to play Morris. But, you know, if the situation arises, I think he's going to fetch me a great trade value because I've kind of sucked up also uh, running backs from the market. And, and at some point, uh, that's going to become a good trading bet for me. Yeah, especially, I mean, God knows Darren McFadden is no stranger to the training table, Dave. And if he were to go down, obviously Morris would look very good. Now, this is assuming that 
Dallas does not add a high pick, uh, you know, at the running back position in the draft, which, as Biplab said, they very well could. And it wouldn't be a shock to anybody, really, if they did. But if they don't, yep. McFadden goes down. Morris, you can either play him or you can uh, hope that one of the 11 guys that you're playing against in your league takes a shine to him, needs a running back, and is willing to give you market share, or market value, or even more than market value in a trade for Alfred Morris. Yep, I would tend to agree. Okay, it's great. It's tough for me to get too excited about Alfred Morris. Well, you know, again, this is what I brought up before. These guys, they don't have to be sexy guys at the running back position. They can just be guys that are adequate. And, I mean, Alfred Morris has been adequate for his career. I mean, outside of that one great year, he's been very adequate. He gets behind that Dallas offensive line. You don't really need him, um, but he's there once you do. And if the opportunity presents itself, boom, easy start. Yeah, I really wonder if they're going to take – Ezekiel Elliott or Henry, just because back when Johnny Manziel came out, you could tell that Jerry Jones really wanted to take Johnny Manziel in the first round. It was like acid in his mouth. He wanted, and they took a lineman. And so like, obviously like he's there, but they're, you know, the front office is really running the show. Right. And it just seems like maybe they're going for more of a, you know, draft a defensive line, draft the offensive line. They need pass rushing. Yeah. So maybe draft like an edge rusher or something like that. Joey Bosa. He'd look good in the Cowboys uniform. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about Gary Barnage. I actually like this trade quite a bit. Uh, Lab, you gave away a, a 2.11 pick, the 211, and a 2017 six-rounder. Even with a lot of guys getting cut, the 211 still is not, like, super juicy of a pick. Uh, what, what do you think, in your opinion, uh, how close do you think Barnage gets in 2016 to his uh, last year's numbers? Yeah, you know, um, I'm not too uh, excited about the draft class, so I thought, uh, why not invest that? on uh, Barnage, especially because that owner, for some reason, wanted to trade uh, away Barnage, and, and maybe he was feeling roster pressure. Um, I actually like him a lot. Um, I think he can even do better than last year. You know, I compare his situation to someone like Delaney Walker. You know, the first year Delaney Walker burst into the scene, everyone was questioning whether he will be able to repeat it next year, and 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 he did it again. And and it's and for Barnage, more than talent, I I feel it's the situation. You know, uh, Travis Benjamin is gone. He had around thousand yards and sixty-eight catches. And then Josh Gordon is up in the air. Uh, we, we don't even know if he's coming back. Uh, they don't have any other high-profile uh, wide receivers. Um, Hugh Jackson is in town, and, and he's pretty intelligent, and he said he's going to run the offense. Um, I think they are going to pass a lot this year. And so, you know, I, might I, be behind I don't a little bit. If, Yep. <laughs> yep, and... And, you know, he may end up like Walker's numbers, 90 catches, 1,100 yards, uh, somewhere in that range, and maybe the touchdowns come down to six or seven, but I really like him this year. Diplab will be laughing all the way to the bank. All the way to the bank, repeating as the 500 Dynasty League number 20 champion. Uh, Biplab, we've been talking. Biplab Mandel is our guest tonight here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Talking uh, about this $500 number 20 league that you won last year, Biplab, and, and another trade that you had made, in order to try and repeat in this league, you gave up uh, after acquiring the 112 in that Alfred Morris Le'Veon Bell deal that I mentioned earlier. You traded it, uh, flipped that, and the 505 this year for Duke Johnson. Already touched on the uh, the Browns and that new offense that they're going to have with Huey Jackson this year. What can you say about the Duke's dynasty value right now, and how good is he going to be uh, as soon as uh, how good is he going to be this season 
uh, as we look forward uh, to the uh, to the 2016 edition of the NFL. Yep. Uh, so because I got Barnage, you know, I was very interested in getting Duke in this league. You, if you look at my team, I already have 19 players, and and you know, I really wanted to go for a repeat. In fact. I am probably my greatest enemy here in, in being able to decide a starting lineup every week and, and not leaving points on the bench. Uh, but that being said, um, I think Duke Johnson, if you look at his numbers last year uh, as a rookie, uh, especially on the receiving front, he had 61 catches for around 534 yards. I mean, that's in, in a market where running backs fluctuate a lot, that's like PPR gold for me. And then if you look at the draft class of this year, um, there's really not much difference between a 1.6 and a 1.12. And, and, you know, then it's going to be a crapshoot, and, and you don't know which rookie is going to hit. Even in last year's draft class, if you look at it, the second rounders probably did better than the first round picks. And, and I'm going for it here for a repeat. You know, I have a young team, and, and why not? So then the other thing that interested me was if you look at uh, other pass catchers like uh, Theo Riddick or uh, Danny Woodhead, uh, those guys had 80 catch seasons with around close to, I think, 700 yards. And so a thought struck me, hey, you know, the Browns are going to probably pass a lot. Uh, Crowell is, you know, again, Hugh Jackson is in town. Crowell is no Jeremy Hill. And, and Duke Johnson has a Geo Bernard type role probably in this offense. So, you know, I, I think he might easily be able to um, get in some 80, 85 catches, especially, again, because Travis Benjamin is gone and someone has to take those 70 uh, passes he caught. So between Barnage and Duke Johnson, I do expect one of them to have a great year. And then if the other one is also borderline uh, flex, uh, I, I think we, I think I'll be pretty well set in this league. So I mean, it sounds like you're, you know, you, that's two Cleveland players you require. So are you kind of, you know, of the mindset of buying low on these guys because? Everyone's like, oh, they're so crappy. But yet you're seeing the change in the coaching staff. So you're like, this is something that I can actually get these guys for pretty cheap. And now when they start scoring more and doing, and their offense is better, granted their quarterback is still a question mark to some extent, um, but their defense is still going to be a struggle. So they're going to have to be, like you were saying, throwing all the time. Is that part of your strategy overall or just something you just kind of put in your, in your mind and go for Cleveland guys a little bit? Yep, yep, that's my mind. You know, I, I don't care about how bad teams are and and even if they are worse teams someone in that team will be fantasy relevant and and that's all we have seen over the years you know for years in minnesota it's all about adrian peterson <laughs> irrespective of uh, who's in the team and then if you look at teams like jaguars you know over a period of time they have been able to transform a crappy team i think oakland is doing that and and i really like the moneyball guy i can't remember his name who's who's in town Paul uh, Yep. Paul yep. And then uh, Jonah Hill is his name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I believe it was uh, Brad <laughs> he <played> that role. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then uh, you know I I I have a lot of faith in Hugh Jackson. Um, so so I really like these two guys in the Cleveland offense. And you know no matter how they perform this year, it seems like they want to load up on picks and they'll probably give up on the year. Uh, but I do feel they'll become uh, fantasy relevant. 
Uh, interestingly, though, I feel at some point they might be tempted to trade Barnage just because he's 30 years old, and if he starts producing, I, I, I don't know what kind of value they'll get. They, they might want to trade him. Uh, but for this year, you know, I'm going with both of them, especially because, you know, I'm going for the win again, and I want players who are going to give me around uh, at least 15, 18 points a week. So I got a question from the chat room. Josh Radzak wants to know um, who will score more points against you this year, uh, <laughs> Travis Kelsey or uh, Zach Ertz? Oh, that's. I should, yeah, let, Bip Lab, let me preface this for the listeners. Josh Radzak is actually in this league. And um, he posted on Facebook when uh, when I announced um, Bip Lab's appearance that he had won this league, uh, that, you know, he finished first or whatever, and then Josh Radzak. Josh Radzak finished sixth in this league. And then he wrote the, you know, after, like, you know, nobody cares. But, yes, Josh Radzak finished sixth in this league, and he wants to know, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, they're both coming for you. Which one's going to hurt harder, Bip Lab? No, we've interrupted you. Yeah, I, you know, and, and there's a funny story, actually, because I've been a listener of this show. I actually heard Jap, Josh on the show uh, bragging about his faith in Chip Kelly, and, and that's where <laughs> I think I ended up trading him on, with uh, Kelsey and Earths for uh, AJ Green and 9.9 pick, which, which apparently happened to be Brandon Marshall for me. So that's how the trade panned out last year and I, I was pretty sure he was going after Zach Ertz there when he when he made the trade. So so that being said, I, I do feel Kelsey will probably hurt me more, although I think Zach Ertz has a potential of a breakout. Again, it's going to be a tight end friendly offense uh, at uh, Philly this year. Uh, but I still believe in Kelsey. I think I have Kelsey stocks in a couple of dynasties, and, and I feel he'll score more than uh, Zach Ertz. All right, before I ask this next question, let me just say that uh, uh, I'd like to just say that for the small businesses of fantasy sports, uh, Scout Fantasy and Scott Atkins have been really helpful and instrumental in our, our initial efforts, and I just want to give them props. And normally we never talk about another brand on you know, our show. You know, you say normally we never do. You've brought it up. Multiple times before. Well, I'm not bringing up a certain other brand that's not supporting us at this point. Yeah. Which they damn well should be. Anyway, so congrats on winning the $10,000 in the Scout Dynasty Fantasy World Championship last season. Uh, Biplab, tell us a little bit about that team and how you were able to close things out in Week 16. Yep, it's it's funny you say that. You know, I purely joined Scout as more to practice for my FFPC Dynasty drafts and then Don't ended up Scott having that. a... <laughs> ended up having a good team uh, there. Uh, but but that being said, I think I had fantastic week 15 and week 16. I think I scored around 220 and 225 points in those weeks. Um, and, you know, even though all of us say that fantasy is more a skilled uh, sport, you know, I kind of rode a bit of luck. So in week 16, I basically had $1 left and I spent it on getting Kirk Cousins because I had Jordan Reed and, and I was in the ninth position overall. And I think Kirk Cousins scored 40 and Jordan Reed scored, scored 30, 35 that week. I had the Arizona defense. I think they scored 30. Uh, I had Tim Hightower. You know, he had a good week. And then I had David Johnson, uh, Antonio Brown, uh, Darby sick. Landry. Yep, yep, Your yep. team has just oh, crushed it. Yep. <laughs> 
So that's what happened in week 15 and 16. It's funny, you know, I struggled with quarterbacks all through the year. I had Tony Romo, he got hurt. I had Marcus Mariota, he got hurt. I took Fitzpatrick, then I think he got hurt at, at some point. And, and it was finally Kirk Cousins who uh, bailed me out. I, I think I won it by 15 points. But uh, So that one was very special. Oh, that's awesome. The, the, the old Cousins read stack, Dave, as it were, in week 16, that, that uh, paid uh, dividends for a lot of people who had uh, them going. Uh, let's uh, shift to the rookie uh, talk here, Pip Lab. Uh, let's talk. Does he, have, does he have any rookie picks left? You're in other leagues, Bip Well, Lab. No, right, yeah. Leagues, and, right? and Bip Lab is, is in multiple FFPC leagues. I mean, he knows what, you know, regardless of if he has a high rookie pick or a first-round pick, whatever, Bip Lab knows <laughs> what's going on. Um, yep. Lab, uh, your number three running back right now, assuming Ezekiel Elliott and, uh, and Derrick Henry are number one and two for you. Do you like Kenneth Dixon, Devontae Booker, or maybe somebody else best as the number three running back in this year's rookie class? Uh, yeah, you know, that, that one, you know, to be honest, uh, I'm trying to trade out of my picks in first and second rounds and either go for future picks or take some names that I might like but but if i were to choose you know my honest answer will be i'm going to wait for the drafts and look at the situation look at where kenneth dixon is going and look at where devante booker is ending up i i feel it's real close right now but if i had to choose today i would probably go with kenneth dixon at at the moment you know um i i read a lot of the rsp stuff i think uh, matt waldman has has very high faith in uh, Kenneth Dixon, and I was actually reading some interesting stats last weekend when it came out about Dixon and and how good he was as a freshman, and and he tied with Monty Ball's records. But we know what happened to Monty Ball. And then interestingly, you know, it seems like uh, Dixon's numbers uh, in his on his 40 yards and 20 yard shuttle were very close to Devante Freeman's, and and we know what Freeman did last year. And then I think he has put on a little bit of weight and is around 220 pounds, uh, probably trying to, you know, make everyone feel he's a three-down back. So given all this and, and you know, whatever uh, I'm seeing, I probably trust Dixon more than Booker at the moment. But then this can completely change uh, depending on how uh, the drafts go and who falls into what situation. Um, so that that will be the key, I feel, determining who will be RB3. So, Bip Lab, give us an answer for this one. I don't know if this is Balky's personal question, but for someone who doesn't have an FFPC, well, not FFPC. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you ask it, it's interesting that you say that this is the personal question or whatever. Yeah. But did you have one? No, because when I was reading this question, I'm like, you know, that kind of fits me this year. <laughs> so this this will be good, yeah. For someone who doesn't have an FFPC Dynasty first rounder, but who needs youth at wide receiver, give us a guy you have in the mid to late second round of rookie drafts. One of those, like, you know, 7 to 14 range guys. Yeah. Yep. Uh, at wide receiver. You know, if I had those big picks, I would more be looking for players like uh, Marcus Wheaton or Sammy Coates or Chris Hogan if, if they are there, or even the Packers, Jeff Janis, or if someone has cut. Davante Adams, you know, such such is the situation. Uh, but if I had to go with a rookie, I'll probably be looking at Sharon Peak. Um, again, you know, he he comes from a good system. I think he sat behind uh, 
Hopkins, Bryant, and uh, Watkins for a long time in Clemson. Um, he's had some bad luck with injuries, but what I like is, you know, he's 6'3", 215 pounds, uh, deep ball threat. You know, he, he has those tools that, that we often look for a potential WR1, and, and who knows, this might be the guy who's not done very well in college, but, but ends up doing very well at NFL, uh, especially the system he comes from. So that's the only guy I would take more thinking about a potential uh, future upside. I don't think he'll he'll do a lot in in the current year. Uh, but but believe me, this year I'm probably in the waivers looking for those Marvin Jones and Danny Woodheads of uh, last year, and and trying to take a more established uh, name than than I will, I, I will say this too for anybody who listened to the show last week when when. Um, we asked uh, Izzy Elkafis from uh, Dynasty Trade Calculator the same question. Uh, well, not the same question, but a similar question. Oh, we changed the question? Some, some, no, it was some, I, I asked him some under-the-radar rookies. Now everybody talks about the top-end guys. We're some under-the-radar guys. And he gave me five names, and one of them was uh, also Sharon Peak from Clemson. So smart minds, Dave, all on the peak. I might yeah, have to climb it myself. He's drops, though, so we just have to keep an eye there. Um, but... Such is the class. Such is the class, indeed. Uh, we have uh, BipLab uh, some uh, some emails tonight, and since it it uh, it's sort of a a special episode, uh, it's our season premiere. Obviously, we're getting more heat, uh, more downloads, more people listening, uh, and obviously, since you were on the show, that really spiked our numbers. So I actually got some emails here from uh, a couple of league mates of yours in the FFPC. And ironically, or not ironically, they're both former guests of the show. Uh, Todd Hunter, of course, uh, of Tree Huggers fame, and uh, Zeb Cap of the Brown Pup um, franchise. You know, Brown Pup, Brown Pup, whatever. Isn't that Zeb Cap? I don't know sure. the Brown Pup name. Yeah, isn't that, he always he, he was just, Brown Pups are the best. And I don't even know what that's supposed to indicate. That's his team name. All like, right, he's, Right, great. Zeb, I'm sorry if, if, I'm, if I'm getting that wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. Uh, so anyway, I wanted to read these emails here. Uh, first off, let's see if I can oh, – no, where the heck is it here? I have it. I have it. Okay. Uh, this is from Todd Hunter. Yo, Balky, just as an FYI, we have a grassroots movement going to get tonight's guest, Bip, to change his team names from the completely pedestrian House of Cards – to the way cooler, notorious BIP. <laughs> Feel free to jump on board. Nice. I like that. Uh, Zeb Cap then chimed in. Eric, this definitely deserves to be included on tonight's show. Bip loves the House of Cards, but the notorious BIP would be a name that would create a brand for him. It is a name that would make less experienced fantasy players a little apprehensive when they see that name in a draft room. They'd think he was a straight-up G. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the emails, Bip Lab, but Zeb went on to, to say that uh, he doesn't think you're too engrossed in the hip-hop culture. Uh, so uh, we, don't know, we don't know if you'd be on board with this, but uh, let me just formally throw it out there. What are the chances that you would change your House of Cards uh, team names to, to the Notorious B.I.P.? I am not going to change it. I think they have been trying to <laughs> lobby for it over grouping, and, and a part of it is, uh, you know, the the very active, famous $500 hash one league where we are all sending trade offers every hour probably to each, to each other. <laughs> and, and, and somehow, uh, you know, uh, 
one of my strategy has always been that know your competitors and and I chat a lot one to one with each of them and and more analyze as to how they think you know how how they strategize and and then try to make offers because Dave if you remember I probably bought a $250 dispersal draft team last year and that's how yep. I started going and and I think I have now a playoff ready team this year um, uh, ready to make make a big run. So anyway, yeah, you really, I mean, uh, you really re, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you've really taken that team and remodeled the hell out of it. I mean, you've done a fantastic job. Yeah, I, I like where it is. I mean, you know, Demarius Thomas, Brandon Marshall, Cooks, and a bunch of uh, uh, running good running backs with Kelsey and Delaney Walker. So I'm going to give them a run for money this year. And and they do want to change, <laughs> make me change my team name. That's why. <laughs> That's well, awesome. you know, I'll say this, uh, you know, it's fine if Biplab doesn't want to change his team into the notorious BIP, but there is no question that uh, he took a, a team or his dispersal team and turned it into quite a juicy team. And I think that there's no question that there is life after death and mo money does not necessarily mean mo problems. Oh God! How about that, huh? Oh, awesome. you are uh, quite the wordsmith. Listen, Bip Labs become quite notorious. So that, that's, uh, I, I would say this though, given my experience, I think the more teams you have at FFTC Dynasty, the more probability is you will be profitable because you are going to learn a lot. You, I mean, that Hash One League is full of champions. You know, all all great players and. And I'm observing, learning, and seeing, you know, what what they are doing and how they are thinking, and then you go and implement it elsewhere, right? Yeah, that's a good. Point. So I think the more the team you have, uh, I I feel there are chances that you'll end up doing better at uh, FFPC. That's uh, definitely true, uh, Dave. Uh, we we've kept uh, BipLab on for so long. Would you like to ask him the only question, the only truly question that I care about the most? Yes, uh, Biplab, please give us a guy. This is redraft that you're really starting to yep. like and a guy that you really are going to stay away from as much as possible this year. This is from at. No, 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 no. That's, that's his, that's I, his I know, Twitter. I know, but I'm just, you know, kind of putting okay. it out there again. Right, go yeah, ahead. Just yeah, go yeah. ahead. You already ruined my question. Sorry. <laughs> you suck, folks. This show sucks. <laughs> I'm out. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So, you know, I mean, I am pretty much a value guy. And this year, looking at uh, where things change, stand and, and especially observing the last two years where, you know, running backs have been like fool's gold and, and their values fluctuate a lot, I am probably going to be someone who will invest a lot in uh, wide receivers and tight ends in my first four or five rounds. So that's why, you know, from a value perspective, I the few, you know, satellite leagues that I am doing, I keep ending up with uh, Duke Johnson and and uh, T.J. Yeldon around the sixth and seventh and even eighth round mark. I I think that's great value. I I don't care if Ivory is in town; he'll probably get hurt or you know something will happen. I I do believe in Yeldon's uh, talent and. And I think that Jaguars' offense is going to surprise a lot of people. So I will take Yeldon at, you know, that 6th, 7th, 8th round. And, and even if Duke Johnson is available, I'm going to take him around that. So so those are guys I'm definitely going to look at drafting. And players I'm going to stay away from, you know, someone like a Josh Gordon or Jimmy Graham. I, I think they are still going at around 6th or 7th round at the moment. 
uh, irrespective of Josh Gordon comes back or not, I think, you know, his value will then shoot to third, fourth round, God knows where. Uh, but he has burned me in the past. I, I feel there are a lot of other talented wide receivers. And if I'm playing high stakes, I'm not investing in, in both those guys. You know, Jimmy Graham, if he comes back, probably will win a few, some leagues this year, especially later in the season. But but the tight end class is so deep this year, I'm not investing six, seventh round picks on both those guys. Fair enough, man. Well, I certainly appreciate it. This was uh, awesome to have you on tonight. I want to uh, give you, again, congratulations on winning uh, the Scout Dynasty Fantasy World Championship uh, and also the uh, FFPC uh, 500 number 20. Uh, you are in prime position to, uh, to do some battle uh, to, to win that league again this year. Uh, maybe what what a great story would be if Josh Radzak beats Biplab in in the uh, title game this year. And that I, I'd love to see that. Not in the title game, but you know it comes down to those two two teams at the end. Uh, anyway, Biplab, thanks so much for joining us. We're all going to follow you on Twitter at underscore underscore Rainmaker, and uh, we look forward. We also I should say we appreciate you listening every week. It's very cool that you do that. Wish you best of luck in all your leagues in 2016, man. Yeah, thank you very much for having me here. And, and, you know, I listen because, again, I get a lot of information and, and learn a lot. And, you know, I'm heavily into dynasties and it's like a stock market. Uh, any small news can spark uh, different valuations in, 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 the, in the market. So thanks for having me here and uh, keep doing the good work. Well, thank you very much, Biplab. Very kind words. Biplab Mandel, everybody. Uh, We're kind of like E.F. Hutton. I've never – who's E.F. Hutton? I thought you were in Generation X. Is that a stock market? E.F. Hutton talks and people listen. Well, at least until E.F. Hutton went out of business. Well, maybe that's why I don't... That was an old ad. You never saw that ad? I don't remember it. Jeez. What, like TV or like... Yes, it was on television. Okay. Well, I didn't know if you meant magazine or what? Color television. I'm not that old. So anyway, Biplab said some discouraging things there at the end. One... He gets says he gets a lot of information from this show. He was totally lying. And I, he I, was lying I'm not. Him. I don't think he was lying, but I think he failed to say he gets a, a lot of great information from our guests, not necessarily you and I. Well, from, yeah. Uh, and he said, "Keep up the great work as well." Um, this is work. This is really hard. But is it great? Are we doing great work on this show? I think that's the problem I have with that. In any event, we, why don't you ask God what he thinks? Biplab did. Uh, I, I, he's uh, nodding at me right now. He's giving, <laughs> he's giving me the thumbs up right now. <laughs> Buddy Christ, giving me the thumbs up. So uh, that was Biplab Mandel. Everybody he won the 500 uh, Dynasty League number 20 in FFPC. Uh, it was great to have him on. We have uh, your emails and tweets and everything coming up right after this. High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour with Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak coming back right after this. Welcome back to the HSFF Hour here on this Season 5 premiere episode, April 8th, 2016. Snowy Appleton, Wisconsin is where we're doing the show tonight. Always love to uh, be hitting up uh, April after the uh, um, NCAA tournament ends. We're, We're getting amped up for the NFL draft. And nothing like pounding my shoes off on the way into the studio tonight to shake all the snow off them. I was so annoyed, so frustrated, Dave. I'm sick of this snow, man. Uh, dude, you know, it's been tough for me because I was in <clears> – <throat> I'll tell my little story. You want me to tell my story? So, oh, yeah. I, I was actually going to give you the open avenue for you to discuss this tonight, and I yeah. totally forgot about it. So, you know, my, my family and I, we went to Sanibel Island for a week. We rented a condo. It was nice. <clears throat> a little ocean view condo. It was, it was decent. And um, if you've ever been to Florida, you know, this time of year is great in the mid-'70s. Sanibel Island is a nice island that it doesn't have um, – no buildings are over four stories. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And, like, 
75 or so of the island is all, um, it's not developed. It's like a wildlife preserve and everything, so it's great. There's no stoplights on the island. It's almost like, the, you know, like in South Korea where they have the people that are directing traffic. Yeah. The busiest sections, that's what they do. No but, laws. It's like, it's like a purge. Yeah. You know, like the movie Purge. You can do whatever you want all the time. <laughs> Murder, steal, yeah. it's great. So we're getting ready to leave. So it's the end of the week, you know, so we're, we're flying back on Saturday. We have the Southwest flight, and my wife, Kathy, she checks the, uh, the Southwest app, and it's like a six-hour delay. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. So we'll go to, we'll go to Naples, check out Naples. We're mm-hmm. going to, like, um, I think it's McCormick and Schmidt's Steak, and, you know, it was good, whatever. We went to Waterside Shops, all this ritzy crap that we would never really nor- normally go to. So then, we, then uh, Ron Meyer, two-packer, right. he's actually he's leaving on a later flight. He's also in the area. Right. And he, he texts me, he's like, hey, your flight, uh, I think it's canceled. And I'm like, come on. So I look, our flight is canceled. So I go online on Southwest to check our flight, and, and, and it says, oh, yeah, flight canceled. So they say, oh, you want to rebook the next available flight. The next available flight was Tuesday afternoon, and this is like Saturday. So we had to spend, you know, granted, you know, I'm not complaining necessarily other than all the money that we spent. So then we went to Marco Island, which is another island close to there. It's actually a lot more developed with high rises. And we got a pretty good deal. On Do they have uh, stoplights on that island? Lots of stoplights, okay. lots of old people. Can you kill people on that island legally? Uh, not, no, not, not legally. Not, not like in Key West where it's no big deal. Oh, yeah, or, yeah. Or Isla Morada, by the way, Netflix, Bloodline, check it out. Yeah. But uh, so we, you know, it was three lovely, lovely nights there, a couple grand. Thanks a lot. You know, that sucks. But um, it was fun. We were at the Marco Beach Ocean. So it was great. So like, I was, you know, I was already ready to come back on Saturday. So mm-hmm. I'm already burned out, I'm sick of the beach. I'm, you know, pale as can be anyway, and I'm still not even getting tan. So we finished with that, and so then there's three more days, you know. Right. And now, so I come back, and it was like you get like a two-day hangover of like, oh man, like my mind is still foggy. You know, margaritas and you know, restaurants every night, killing people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like all the weird crap you do, throwing them into the, into the into the dump, into the side thing, alligators eat them. So then, you know, we finally get back, and then, and now it snows. This sucks. Yeah. I'm. And now you're ready I'm, to go back. I, yeah, I'm out of here. You're and like, there's no state income tax. And, you, there. and it, here's here's what this, ladies and gentlemen, Dave and I work together uh, at our day job as well, and this is what I heard coming from Dave's office today. I will never fly with you people at Southwest again. You are the absolute worst. And then I saw him look out his window. I saw the snow. He called him right back up. He's like, hey, what's the story? Uh, can I get a flight to Hawaii? So, I mean, that, that's the thing. That's, that's what Wisconsin does to you. I'm never flying Southwest again unless it's the best price. Right. Or you need to go somewhere. And you know what's funny is on would, an airplane. They wouldn't take care of us at all, and then we complained uh, enough that they actually are giving us vouchers for, for Hawaii for free flights. No, they don't fly to Hawaii. Anywhere actually. in the continental U.S.? I know they're worth like 300 bucks. So oh, nice. Each, and that's so that's at least something. But yeah. I was actually I was so pissed. Yeah. But now I'm not. Okay. It was a fun extra three days, but I'm, now I'm just pissed about being in Wisconsin. That's it. All right. Well, let's uh, lighten your mood and answer some emails here. This one's from Terry in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. If you guys don't like rookie tight ends in fantasy, but need to draft them in leagues, when is the sweet spot to start taking them for roster stashing? Terry in what I'm guessing is not snowy Milwaukee, Wisconsin, wants to know if we don't like rookie tight ends, if we know they're going to suck, but we still need to draft them on our dynasty teams, what point do we start looking at them? And I feel like this, the answer to this question from up is, is going to be a little skewed because we didn't like any of the tight ends last year. And frankly, I, don't, I, I can't speak for you. I don't like any of the tight ends this year. No, I don't like any of the tight ends this year. So, I mean, I don't know when you start taking them. At, at, for, I mean, for FFPC Dynasty, because you have to cut your rosters to 16, I don't take any. I just yeah. let them all go. I'm like, forget about it. Yeah, for the last two years. Now, if there's somebody worthwhile, remember the Ertz-Eifert year? Well, Max Williams had some 
signs of whatever, but now he's kind of like worth nothing. Yeah, we but even so even last we weren't super excited. Yeah, you hate you were the one who called him Min Williams all the time <laughs> last year. I mean, that's true. So we weren't excited about him at all. So I think this year you can ignore him. Um, ask us this question next year because it's such a specific one. Lance, given the Lance likes Hunter and the Stanford dude. Oh yeah, Hunter uh, Henry, and it wasn't. Who's the guy from? Uh, was it Western Kentucky? Uh, Higby is that his name? Yeah, Farrell was trying to represent him, but yeah. he, he blew him off like, ah, like a jag off. Sucks. That's why I brought him up. <laughs> and we both we both Tyler Higby. we played him in Fanduel last year, and he was terrible that yeah. week too. So yeah. screw him. Don't yeah. draft Higby. Could could literally not leave a worse taste in my mouth. <laughs> um, this one for like two thousand dollars, like twenty seven. Right, he was super cheap. Andy in Chicago, Illinois. Hey, guys, what can you tell me about Moritz Bollinger? I think that was the right way to do it. I don't it. think he's... Bollinger. Bollinger. Do it like a German person. Uh, I, listen, I can't... I can't uh, Hitler, can you pronounce this information? Nein, 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 nein. Even Hitler doesn't want to do All it. Right. So, okay. So I'm going to say it again. What can you tell me about Moritz Bollinger? All I know is that he is some German that is huge and fast. Is this a late April Fool's joke, or is this guy for real? Danke, Shane. That's Andy in Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. So Moritz Bollinger, uh, which I don't know if you know. Well, okay, hold on. Let, let's talk about him. Because the, er, the first time I heard about this guy was last week from uh, Acme Packing Company. There was an article um, on there. Actually, used to write for Acme Packing Company. Jason Hirshhorn. So they fired you? Wrote, no, they didn't fire me. Um, we uh, parted ways. Um, <laughs> he wrote an article about how, how Ted Thompson was, sc- was scouting this guy. I'm like, ah, he, this guy is some schlub, you know, who cares? He'll probably be in UDFA or something like that. But then uh, I, there's more heat coming on him. I looked at the football guy's chart pool that you sent me. To, there's, yeah, it's like a four-page thread, four, four thread on this guy. I watched his highlight reel. I, I mean, and I, and I, Granted, it's like playing like a really good high school team when right. you look at the people he was going against. Yeah. But he thought, you know, he looked pretty impressive there. I don't want to get the hype too high. But look, should I read off some of his numbers? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so this is a, he went to Florida Atlantic's Pro Day. Um, I guess it doesn't really matter because he's from Germany. Um, he ran a 4.4340, had a 39-inch vertical jump, a 10-foot, 11-inch broad jump, 4.10 short shuttle, 11.15 60-yard shuttle, and a 6.653 cone drill. That's a, that is a disgusting lead. That's a lead. That's, that's incredible. Do you have any player comps and, and in his, there? So then, okay, so what, so is he, what is he, 5'10", 190? No, he's not. He's 6'4", 227. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's like Aaron Hernandez without the murders. Yeah. He, and he, I mean, it's clear he eats his sausage and sauerkraut because that is, <laughs> that is a thick man right there, Dave. Oh, Wasp, I was wondering what his Wunderlich score was. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> it was uh, higher, wait, well, hold on. Uh, it was higher than a dry. <laughs> I think that's a three, and I only know one, two, three in German. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so I did some more research, Dave, as long as we're talking about name etymology. We talked about how Biplab means revolution mm-hmm. and uh, how Eric means independence yes. and how Balkman means God. Um, <laughs> I don't think those last two points were accurate. Well, that's, you know, it's, it's subjective. Uh, I looked up what uh, Moritz means in German, and uh, you know what I found out? No. means Jeff Janis, loosely translated. <laughs> Does it? So, yeah, apparently that's... Uh, oh, he, he's white. The aptly named Moritz Bollinger. I can't... I, I cannot... I, I will get better on the name, people, but it's just not going to happen right now. Uh, so, moving on. Dear Batman and Superman, you're clearly Batman. I own the 101 in my rookie draft and am looking to move it for multiple assets as I rebuild. 
When is the best time to deal it? Now or after the draft when rookie destinations are known? Thanks to the email, Brett in Oaktown, Oakland, California. Yeah, uh, home of Too Short. He, yeah. <laughs> you should have used Too Short in Charles yeah. So um, here's what I'll say about the best time to move the 101. The best time to move the 101 is when you get the best offer for it. <laughs> now, the question is, what, when, you, when are you going to get that? Are you... It, because it varies in draft in every draft, you know, um, based on wh- not only the talent level, the players involved in the rookie draft, but where they end up. So I think right now, if you end up trading the 101, you're gambling a little bit um, based on where people could end up. Uh, if you want to trade it after the after the uh, NFL draft, which is what I would recommend, um, not because things change, but it's because people get more amped up to trade to to get those rookie picks. After the NFL draft, they get amped up for the rookie picks. We yeah. talked about my Todd Gurley trade last year. Um, we, I worked on that trade for a couple of weeks, and we finally hammered it out, I don't know, like two days before the rookie draft started yeah. um, for me to get the 101. And I feel like we were both motivated at that point to get the deal done. And sometimes sure. that's when you get the best value. And I don't feel like I got ripped off, and I don't think he, he got ripped off. That was fair. I mean, at that point, all the uncertainty was kind of answered. And that's, right. that's, that's when those picks, I think, do go up in value. Is after the NFL draft and before the rookie draft, and actually, the one you know, I think they actually kind of decrease in value a little bit is right. You know, people say, "Well, wait till you're on the clock." Well, only if you're a, kind of a, a jerk, because if you wait till you're on the clock and you're like, "Well, oh, I'm taking offers," everybody's like, "Oh, screw you! You had four months to trade the pick. I'm not, I'm not offering you crap." Yeah. So I think make that trade right after the NFL draft and heading into it. But I, I don't think you wait until the last thing unless you know. I just don't think you're going to get quite as good of an offer. I don't think that's when you start working. I don't think anybody who who consummates a deal that late before the rookie draft starts. They just started it. I think that the deals that are made at that point have been worked on for quite a while. Right. And then that just happens to be when they get agreed upon. Uh, Tim in Asheville, North Carolina, are you guys at all concerned about Josh Doxson? He seems pretty skinny and not exceptionally fast or strong. Plus, he will turn 24 before the end of the season. Great show, Tim in Asheville, North Carolina. Well, our friends at Rotoviz would probably have some things to say about a receiver who will turn 24 in his rookie season as they, far as they don't they know likey. They know Likey. Um, so, obviously, they don't expect him to have a good NFL career. And I got to tell you, I, I've swung back and forth, much as I do on a lot of rookies, uh, on Doxson this offseason. But I will say I've been more off him than on him. I would say he's a little bit overvalued. I think he's going to go higher than I would probably take him in rookie draft. Yeah, I just – it again, BipLab nailed it, which I also appreciate both he and Izzy Elkafis, um last week saying how they weren't very excited about their rookie draft and, and I'm not either. So I think that I'm actually really excited about the rook, the NFL draft in Chicago. Yeah. 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 Party. yeah we haven't but really not, talked about that much. I'm not as excited about the actual rookie I, draft. I do. Are we, do we have to make more plans for that? I think we, we have the hotel. Are we room, ready to go? Hotel rooms book. Okay. All right. We just haven't talked about it a whole lot. So well, I don't know. no one's pitched. I've paid for that, but no well, one's I'll pitch out. in. Let me know how much it is. I'll, I'll, I'll totally I, do I, it. I hope you do pitch in. I'm, I'm, I'm we going actually, to. We need to figure out how many people are going by the way. Okay. Where are we staying again? I mean, if anyone wants to come join us. Well, wherever the the, the... the Hilton, the, the Palmer House Hilton, I think is what it Yeah, was. there you go. Some pretentious sounding Palmer House Hilton. Yeah, and Dave, Dave says he has an extra pillow. <laughs> Those aren't pillows. <laughs> Very, how about the Bears this year? Hell of a team, hell of a team. Uh, final email tonight. This is Joe in Laporte, Texas. I haven't heard you guys talk a whole lot about Braxton Miller. Is it because you don't like him, or is it because you're just being lazy again? That's Joe in Laporte, Texas. Obviously lazy. Clearly. Um, But I am kind of interested in Braxton Miller. 
here's here initially this is why I wasn't too excited about him because of how well he did when he transitioned to wide receiver, how exciting he was not really having played the position before. I felt like people were going to be all over him when it came, when, when it comes to draft season, they're going to get all excited about the athletic potential, which he does have a lot. Uh, and, and they're going to start overdrafting him based on upside. I haven't really heard that. I haven't really heard a whole lot of people talking about how great Braxton Miller could be on the next level. And to me, it seems like, man, if nobody else is on him, I could actually get a pretty good deal on him right now. Uh, I don't expect, literally, I do not expect much year one from him. Um, but man, in 2017, with a year of playing receiver in the NFL under his belt, I really think he could be a difference maker. You know, honestly, I haven't done quite enough research on it, but I, th- I think even 2017 is a little bit ambitious for him to, to really be that good in the NFL. I mean, 2018 is really where you're looking at. So I think if, if you take him, you have to be really willing to, hope for a third-year breakout, and it could even be a fourth year. I mean, not even playing in the NFL, or not, not playing the wide receiver position in college and then going to the NFL and trying to do it is just so difficult. Right. I mean, it's tough to do if you've even been playing wide receiver since you were like 14. Trying to do it at this late stage, I just I, it's a very tough transition. For it, it is a tough transition, and, and I'm well aware of that. And I felt like you, if you were going to draft Miller, you had to expect that. And I wasn't going to, like, blow a first-round pick on, on a guy I, I really cannot count on at all year one. Um, and that he's actually even going to develop in anything. You know what I mean? Because that's the, that's the other risk, which I think is heightened with Miller not having played the receiver position. I'm willing to bet on the athletic upside if I only have to invest a second-round pick. I'm, I'm on board. Mark about, me down. What about Boringer or whatever? He's, he's got athletic upside. Yeah, did I say I didn't like him? No. Just, yeah, I like him. Second. How did you pronounce his name? Mark, Mark Bullrichter. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with him on LinkedIn. Not making that up. Not making that up. I, I don't doubt it. You're Mr. Cloudscore. I am Mr. Cloudscore. And uh, that is going to do it for the end of the show. Thanks what? for leaving it's it so... off. Yeah, that's it. Oh. Do you have anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I didn't have anything anyway. Oh, well, the whole, the whole show. Glad we muddled it up for 70 minutes for everybody again. I want to thank BipLab Mandel for coming on the show. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore underscore Rainmaker. And uh, he's going to be defending the belt this year in the 500 number 20. Looking for other FFPC dynasty titles as well. Look out for House of Cards or the Notorious BIP. He, uh, he said he wasn't going to change it, but I sense that he could be swayed on that. So we'll <laughs> see what happens with Bip Labs team as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, join us again next week when we will have on uh, FFPC 750 Dynasty number 10 champ Chris Wood. It's going to be on the show next week. It'll be very exciting. I want to remind everybody to play the FFPC satellite in DEs today. Register for those Dynasty startups, the main event, Football Guys Players Championship, Early Birds Deadline. Remember, sdfsca.org. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. One thing you can't